Love Pace Line is sponsored by Health IQ, an insurance company that helps health-conscious people like runners, cyclists, weightlifters, and vegetarians get lower rates on their life insurance rates. Go to healthiq.com forward slash Pace Line to support the show and see if you qualify. And the Pace Line is supported by LAL Cycling. The coast is calling. LAL Shore Collection embodies the spirit and style of the California coast. All LAL products are crafted right here in Southern California for shipment worldwide. Now, on to the show. Self-driving cars are coming. Fatty wants to know how they will drive around bikes. What would it take for you uh, to make you willing to carry a beacon on your bike to make you more detectable to car safety systems and or self-driving cars? We finally hear from RKP's robot. The man behind the Friday group ride is backing a new idea for readers and listeners. RKP's goal is to get more people on bikes and excited about bikes. And Seven's goal is is very similar. And we go on vacation with our bikes. I'm not going to risk the potential of my bike being damaged with a soft case and a baggage room gorilla throwing it up on the conveyor belt or doing the, the uh, gorilla mating dance on it. Paceline, the podcast on two wheels. Patrick Hottie and Fatty bringing you the official podcast of redkiteprayer.com. I don't know why I said official podcast, but, you know, (laughs) just, I feel like, yeah, I feel like I'm going to start over. You could. (laughs) You could start over. No. I could start over. No. Just roll with it. Okay. I'm just going to keep going. I'm gonna I'm gonna make all of my O's hard O's in this entire episode today. It's because we are the official podcast of redkiteprayer.com, as well as the official podcast of the American Association of Sweet and Savory Snack Foods. We're not really that official of a podcast of the sweet and savory snack foods, but if there were such an association, I feel like we would be their podcast. Huh. As as a salted caramel kind of guy, I feel like I can assert that with confidence. I, uh, folks, find us on red, find us on redkiteprayer dot com or on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen to podcasts. It's a episode one hundred and nine today. I seem to uh, be in kind of a loose mood, guys. Patrick, how are you? How are, how are you doing? And how is your neck? Um, well, I mean. I and my neck are fairly well integrated. Uh, I'm doing pretty well, but I could, I am going to admit that my neck could be better. Uh, it turns out cortisone, mm-hmm. not the trick for me. And wow. that's a bit of a bummer. So I, that is a bummer. I went back to my old standby yesterday. Uh, that's probably a misnomer. Uh, some years back, I got a bunch of neuromuscular massage therapy, uh, trigger point massage, and it worked wonders. And then I couldn't find anybody good enough to do it anymore. And I thought, hmm, maybe there's somebody in Santa Rosa. It turns out there are like at least half a dozen people here. One of them, two miles from home. Went to her yesterday. She's fantastic. I'm going to give her lots of money. <laughs> fantastic. Um, spread that money around. After all, there's big money in blogs and podcasts. Hottie, (laughs) RKP contributor and contributor to triathlon-oriented publications, I have a question for you. Which is the more type A tribe, road cyclists or triathletes? Type A, that's easy. Yeah. Type tri. Yeah, those, those folks, they have to be. They're singular. It's all about them. They need to control everything. Right, it's up to them. It's on them. If they put, there's no team involved. There's no distribution of work there. There's no delegation. It's them. No cooperation. No cooperation. Man, you have yeah. to be Type A. I don't know how I, somebody who's not Type A could even finish one of those things. Yeah, triathletes <laughs> all the way. Triathlon Magazine. That's my public. That's my secondary outlet. Yeah, you did a cool article in there recently, and I believe we're going to reference that soon. So I will try not to steal too much of your thunder. I'm just queuing up your thunder. Uh, As a ride biking, bike riding tech nerd who 
has apparently lost all ability to use the English language. I don't care. Uh, I'm a nerd. I've said it. I'm going to own it. I'm going to be talking more about nerdly topics today. Let's get rolling. Hmm. Uh, I, I just need to turn off my mic and let you guys talk. Okay. <laughs> Hey, your poll is up first. Okay, you know, guys, few things sound as good as the word vacation. Time away from the grind, the routine, the coworkers that drive you up the wall. No alarm clocks, no deadlines, no worries, no work. Or is there no work, that is? I mean, going on vacation is great, but it's friggin' work figuring out what you're going to take, laying it all out, and then cramming it in a suitcase small enough to fit in that lousy overhead space. Wait. You say you want to ride while you're on vacation? You mean you want to add a bicycle to this packing madness? Oh, that'll be fun. And of course, the (laughs) airlines and the TSA and the baggage handlers, they love bikes, so this should be fine. Yeah, right. Uh, So my paceline poll is packing. Packing a bike, that is. I want your best tips, Fatty and Patrick. And Patrick... We're especially looking to you for some insights since you have quite a collection of stamps in your passport. But first, let's hear from an expert on the matter. Hi, Pace Liners. Michael Houghton here. I'm here with Bill Langford, owner of Try All Three Sports. Uh, they are based in northern San Diego County, but I've met up with Bill here in Gardena, not far from his factory where the Try All Three Sports bike cases are built. In fact, I've been uh, reviewing a, a trial three case for another publication. So I'm, I'm actually here on business with Bill because I'm dropping off a case to him. But I also thought it'd be a good opportunity to talk to Bill, who's been in this business of bike cases for 30 years, about traveling with bikes. So Bill, first of all, thanks for uh, stopping off here in Gardena with me uh, to be on the pace line real quick. Tell me something. How have things changed regarding bike travel, traveling with a bike, since the TSA has come around? There has been a lot of changes. Um, TSA certainly is one of the important homeland security operations that we now have in the United States. But for traveling with a bike case, it is really important to arrive early, to plan your trip, to don't complicate packing the case with incidentals that you don't necessarily need that makes it more difficult for the TSA agents to examine and check. Um, The less we put in the cases, for instance, CO2 cartridges. You cannot travel with CO2 cartridges in your bike case. So make it easy on the TSA agents. Uh, They're simply trying to do their job, arrive early, um, know your schedules, don't be in a big rush, be patient with the TSA agents, and let them do their job. Now, we've seen a lot of changes, too, with baggage fees recently as airlines have struggled to meet budgets and stay profitable. Uh, They've continued to suck it to us people who travel with bikes with with baggage fees. Any tips on what we can do to maybe end around these or or offset them a little bit? Yeah, Michael, that's a good question, and that is a very frustrating thing for athletes. The friendly skies of flying today are not so friendly. Um, with budget cuts and the airlines um, having troubles with their own finances, they're looking at every way possible to uh, generate new and more in uh, revenue. So one thing that you can do is check with the airlines that you're flying with. There are airlines out there, Alaska Airlines, for example, Southwest, that are very reasonable with fees. Uh, I think Southwest charges $25. Alaska Airlines right now is not charging anything. There is no consistency in the airline fees. There is no um, stated fees in their publications. So we never know what we're going to be charged. Um, It is a very frustrating thing, particularly from a consumer standpoint where you're insulting the very uh, public that has discretionary time and discretionary money to travel. So why are we being penalized more because we have a bike case. There are certain industries that are not charged. Um, So it's a bit frustrating for all of us. I truly believe that um, federal uh, regulations can be changed. I think people like the United States Cycling Federation, the uh, USAT, United States Triathlon Federation, the Mountain Biking Federations, really and truly need to uh, get their lobbies, get to Washington, get to the head of these airlines and saying, hey, why are you penalizing us? Why are you penalizing the very market that you want to travel? 
people with discretionary income and discretionary time. Give us your uh, one or two top tips then for traveling with the bike. No matter what case you have, what would be your yeah, top Yeah, it doesn't matter if you have our competitors' cases or our cases. Uh, one thing is to plan. Plan your trips in advance. If you need a bike case, make sure that you are receiving the case several weeks prior to your, to your uh, trip. Make sure you understand how to pa uh, pack your case. Don't try and pack your case two hours before your flight. Um, that is always a nightmare for people. We get phone calls and they're frustrated. So just make sure that when you are thinking about your trip, plan it, um, practice packing your case several weeks prior. So the, the day you leave, you're all set up and ready to go and you're not so stressed out. I, I suppose there's probably two camps in this world. There's uh, the soft case camp and the hard case camp. Uh, soft cases do have their advantages. Some of them can be packed down and put into trunks of cars relatively easy. But you are in the hard case ba business, so make your case for the hard well, case. Well, uh, obviously we at Trial 3 Sports prefer hard cases. Um, we use the different uh, materials in our, in our production of our cases. We uh, use a gorilla bar that we call that goes across the center of the case. So if the case gets laid on its side and the baggage room gorillas decide to do their mating dance on the case, the case does not get compressed. Um, in the 30 years that we've been manufacturing uh, racing bike cases and racing wheel cases, we have never had a bike damaged in our bike cases or a wheel damaged in our wheel cases. Certainly, Hard shell cases are more bulky than soft cases. But with some of the new soft cases today, whether it's an uses an air bladder or just lots of padding, they become very bulky as well. And if you look at soft cases versus hard cases or hard cases versus soft cases, the price points of the soft cases are the same as hard cases today. So if I, if I, as a consumer, was going to choose a hard case or a soft case to protect my investment, and let's face it, these racing bikes and road bikes are becoming extremely expensive today. I'm going to pick a hard case. I'm not going to risk the potential of my bike being damaged with a soft case and a baggage room gorilla throwing it up on the conveyor belt or doing the, the uh, gorilla mating dance on it. Well, Bill, I, I did pack your case. It was very simple to use. Uh, I want to congratulate you first on 30 years of being in business. That's thank saying you. a lot these days. Thank you. It does. Uh, and thanks again for being on the Patreon. Thank you, Michael. We appreciate it. Appreciate it very much, sir. Uh, again, thanks to Bill Langford, founder of Try All 3 Sports, maybe the best-known hard-shell bike case maker in the U.S., especially in triathlon circles. Uh, you can't go to a triathlon without seeing a Try All 3 a bike case. Of course, there's lots of cases out there. There's soft ones. Uh, Patrick first turned me on to a Bike Pro case that I still have around here. I also reviewed the Evoc case for Triathlete Mag. I loved the Evoc case. It's a soft case, but it packed down nicely. So my quick plug here, I reviewed Bill's case and three others for Triathlete Magazine, and that issue, the Buyer's Guide issue, is out now. Uh, basically, I got to pack four bike bags and then go nowhere. So that was lots of fun. Of course, I got to write about the cases, too. Now, back to traveling and this poll and bike travel tragedies. Fatty, any mishaps? And what are your top tips for traveling, not by bike, but with bike? Uh, great question. I, 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 have a qu I have a question in response to your question. Have either of you ever looked into companies that actually ship bikes for you? Like bikeflights.com? Bikeflights.com, yes. for example. I've used them. They lost my bike once. Really? Yeah. Wow. We did a okay. show on it, in fact. It was like show 20 or something. Yep. The, okay, okay. So, yeah. So, I'm forgetful. Uh, that's not awesome. Um, so, between the two of you, recommend or recommend against uh, sh having your bike shipped ahead of you? For a lot of people, the question really comes down to, can you afford to be without your bike for you know, the three, four, five days prior to your trip so that you get it packed up, you get it to UPS or FedEx or wherever, you know, it gets shipped off and then it's there waiting for you uh, when you arrive. A lot of people aren't willing to go that length of time without their bike. Also, one of the reasons people used to use UPS and FedEx ground uh, for shipping bikes was because it was significantly less expensive than what United and the other major carriers went to. That's not the case anymore. You ship a bike by UPS, um, it's pretty expensive. Mm -hmm. 
Um, okay. Even though they lost my bike, I would recommend Bike Flights. It's a very good, it's a great business, actually. It's a great idea. It's one of those, damn, I wish I'd have thought of that. Uh, number two, their rates <laughs> yeah. are very good. Because they deal in bulk with FedEx, they get great rates. They pass some of those rates along to you. All you got to remember is, one of, one of my problems is I put a lot of trust in a bike flight. I said, okay, they got my bike. They'll track it. If something goes wrong, they'll be alerted. They'll know. Nah, not so much the case. You still want to follow your tracking numbers. Yeah. You still want to pay attention. They should be paying attention too. And they lost my bike, but they did pay up, as they say they'll do. 100 bucks a day for every day you're without your bike. And I did get that money. So it covered a rental and like a dinner or something. Okay, so I feel like I've cheated by turning your question your question back around, but I have a couple of tips that are not really packing your bike related. I don't know if you really want to hear those for this one, but I just, to be honest, I have not traveled with my bike on a plane very often. I do most of my bike traveling with my bike on a rack on my truck. But you know, it's there's so much great riding in my driving vicinity that that tends to be how my travel works. Um, you know, that said, I feel like I kind of have a couple of good tips for making sure that in addition to your bike, the other stuff winds up with you for your bike trip. First, it's a list of how to do lists. Uh, I use <laughs> OneNote, which is kind of like Evernote, but for free. And I have a list of lists in one of my notebooks there. It's got a bunch of templates for checklists uh, for pretty much every kind of bike type, uh, bike ride or trip I take or will take. Like I have a Leadville list. I have a camp, a camping list, a 100-mile uh, road ride list, winter trip to southern Utah list. And it has been a long time since I have forgotten anything for any trip that I take. So make a list of lists. Keep it in uh, whatever your note-taking app is. And update it as you find that you wish you would have brought something. And, you know, you, you wind up not having to take stuff or you, know, you wind up not having to buy stuff at uh, your destination. Second one is keep a bag of electronic cables and chargers. Uh, I have one, a bag that has my surge suppressing power strip with seven power outlets and five USB ports, a collection of lightning cables, mini and micro USB cables, USB-C cables, everything. Um, all in one bag just for traveling. I, of course, also have bring cable bag in all of my travel checklists. So uh, if you can get your bike there, the rest of it, I pretty much got handled. How about Patrick? Patrick, you are a yeah. veteran of bike vacations. Give us some shortcuts to flying with a bike. Well, you know, the funny thing is I'm actually really partial to soft cases. Uh, one of the things that I've seen repeatedly is a big hard case gets used as a cornerstone within the shipping container and every heavy thing gets stacked on top of that. So I've had the uh, considerable misfortune to see nearly every carrier out there damaged in my experience with reviews over the years. I've traveled more than a dozen times to Europe with a bike pro case. Uh, and mine was a double wide, so I could get two bikes in there. My significant other and I always traveled together with bikes and not once did anything inside that bike pro case ever get damaged in all our trips to Europe. So I'm a big believer in those and, you know, that comes partly in, in amazement that other cases that I didn't think could possibly be damaged got damaged. Um, I've, I've had to go to bike shops and get a cardboard box to get a bike back home because uh, a, a, an airline so thoroughly damaged the carrier on the trip out. Um, that happened to me a couple times with Bicycle Guide. I was just amazed by it. So they can damage anything. Um, as far as like my number one favorite thing for travel, honestly, it's it, it's either getting an old frame retrofitted with SNS couplers or buying a frame with SNS couplers. Uh, whether you need to buy a complete bike or take old parts to build it up, you know, that's up to you. I was one of those people who had spare parts, and so I cobbled together 
enough parts to put uh, a travel bike together the first time I did it. The thing is, you know, it used to be everybody charged 50 bucks to fly with your bike. That was it. Uh, everybody was 50 bucks. And uh, to what Bill was saying earlier, it used to be that USA Cycling gave you a United voucher for a free flight with your bike uh, once a year, every time you renewed your license. That ended. That's the sort of thing that people for bikes or somebody like that ought to work on. Uh it's it's a pretty handy thing, especially now that it can be $150 to fly with your bike. So when I'm flying with my uh, 7 Earhart, which is SNS coupled, the most I've ever paid to fly with that is $25. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, if you're if you're a world traveler, if you travel a lot and take your bike with you, getting a bike with SNS or getting a Richie Breakaway seems to make a lot of sense. Although I saw John Caravu from Moots. Uh, once pack his bike in a hard case uh it was a two-week hard case he had the thing broken down he, he travels a lot but he had it broken down packed away in 10 minutes i mean the guy was just lightning fast it was a regular mooch road bike too yeah uh, it was just amazing how quickly he got it trimmed down um my tip is to point pace liners and you fatty because i think you'll get a kick out of this it's kind of in the same vein as your answer to a- another spot go to rebecca rush's website Go to her video section and watch her video on packing for an eight-day expedition. Rebecca is super organized. She has specific bags for clothes, gear, food, first aid, whatever. Of course, there's a bike bag, which she expertly packs. She uses a soft case, actually one of the Thule soft cases that I reviewed a year ago. She also has a label maker, so it's easy to tell what's in each bag. And a corresponding checklist, Fatty, so she knows what she has available. This is like the Dewey Decimal System of packing that Rebecca has going. So check out that video. We'll have a link in the show notes at redkiteprayer.com. All right. Fantastic. Yeah, I have uh, seen uh, some of the work that Rebecca has done as far as the packing and the making sure she's got everything right. She's traveled so many times. She's really got the system down, as you described. So good poll, Hottie. Uh, Really appreciated that one. Uh, I have a kind of a serious question today, prompted by a very, really serious event. Uh, it was in the news, of course. A woman was killed last week by a self-driving car. And that means a woman is dead because, from what we can tell, Uber, the, which was prototyping this self-driving car, was cutting corners by having just one safety driver instead of two, Uber did not have a vehicle that saw something it should have easily detected, a pedestrian walking a bike across multiple lanes of traffic on a long straightaway. Uber, you can see the uh, the theme here, picked a state for testing with relaxed self-driving prototype regulations, Arizona. And finally, Uber's safety driver was not paying attention. It looked like she was using her phone right up until the moment of impact. She for sure was not watching the road. Now, it's important as a bike podcast and as a, you know, this person had a bike, but it's important to understand this was a car pedestrian accident, not a car cyclist accident. This was not an accident. This was a crash. This was negligence. Yeah, good point. Good point. The, the, what, what I was driving at was this woman had a bike, but she wasn't on it. True. Right? Yeah. So it still matters to anyone who walks, anyone who rides, or frankly, anyone who drives. Because this crash didn't happen because technology failed, is in my humble opinion, right? It happened because of something much scarier, of a distracted driver. And we run across those all the time. So what if you took people out of the equation? Trek has been working with Ford on a beacon device, something that could communicate with vehicles, which would be self, you know, know, vehicles can be self-driving or they can be regular vehicles. Of course, pretty much every modern vehicle now has some automatic safety features, lane drift warnings, automatic braking, blind spot warnings, even ABS is a form of an automatic computerized safety feature. And I've been thinking, computerized accident prevention systems are becoming increasingly sophisticated. But because people, including people on bikes, are small, it's harder for those systems to see us. But a here-I-am type of beacon 
might give you a measure of protection, at least to vehicles aware of those beacons. So I brought back my old friend, the very important question poll, and asked, what would it take for you uh, to make you willing to carry a beacon on your bike to make you more detectable to car safety systems and or self-driving cars? And the four options I gave on Twitter were, if I were 1% to 10% safer, if I were 11 to 50% safer, if it was subsidized or free, or no way, no matter what. And there was a lot of feedback, both on Facebook, where it was an open-ended question, and on Twitter, where I got 329 votes. Ooh. And on Facebook, it's you know where it's mostly my network of friends answering, and the multiple choice options don't show, the response was really pretty overwhelmingly positive. People were saying, you know, anything that makes us any safer sounds great. On Twitter, where answers are more anonymous and they just had the four choices, the results were a lot more mixed. Um, it, on on Twitter, people were uh, – 32% were saying if I were 1% to 10% safer, 28%. So, you know, between the two of these, um, you know, 1% to 50% safer – 60%. If I were 11 to 50% safer, 28%. If it was subsidized or free, 23%. And no way, no matter what, was 17%. So still significant uh, either way. And I'm kind of curious where you guys stand. It's would you buy a beacon? Would you carry a beacon? Would you feel more or less safe knowing that the car be coming, coming up behind you might be driven by a computer would would you know that that is making you safer or less safer or do you feel like that is an abdication of any responsibility by cars and we might become more less safe because i was hearing that response as well well it's well, an easy one for me first of all regarding driverless cars before those things hit the road they better be able to prove that they perform better than humans they have to mm -hmm. They have to show that. Second of all, the other thing they're going to have to sort out is the ability of driverless cars to make decisions. Should I run this car up a curb and hit a bunch of people, or should I slam it into a school bus? I mean, the driverless car is going to have to make that decision. I don't know how they're going to figure it out, but they're going to have to figure that out somehow. Regarding cyclists and walkers and anybody else, I mean, I take a blinky with me everywhere I go. I have a Garmin. I have a headlight. I'll take a beacon. It's, it's no mm -hmm. problem for me. I'd even pay for it at a reasonable cost, you know? I mean, I buy blinkies. I buy three, four, five hundred dollars $500 lights for my bike. Why not a beacon? I, it, sure. It's just a no-brainer. It's, it's like a helmet. It's like the blinky. It's like the light. It's like, you know, any piece of safety equipment yeah. you might consider when you're, when you're riding in traffic. I was surprised how many people, though, did not feel that way in responding to this poll. A lot of people were saying, in fact, that do, having something like this and then your battery runs down and or someone hits you because they have a they weren't paying attention, that the responsibility defaults over to the pedestrian or cyclist because they didn't have a beacon or because they didn't. Uh, because it wasn't on or the battery had run down, mm -hmm. that somehow drivers would begin to think that everything is perfectly safe and they don't have to pay even the amount of attention that they were before. I don't really see that myself, but I mean, it, it, it was a common enough response that I think it's worth bringing up. What do you think, Patrick? Well, okay, for my part, I'd like to confine the conversation to self-driving cars once that technology is rolled out. Because as long as humans are still run driving the cars, anything can happen, right? And, you know, it gives the opportunity for victim blaming no matter what the scenario is. For me, uh, one of our readers, uh, a buddy of mine, Carson Stanwood, uh, suggested the idea that it ought to be an app on your phone. And when I read that, I was like, oh, yeah, exactly. That's it. Uh, I don't want another device that I have to carry around. I don't want another device that I have to worry about charging. Uh, I don't want another device that I may have left on one bike while I'm on a different bike. I've always got my phone with me. Make it an app. Mm -hmm. I know the app communicates. I know that my phone communicates with everything on earth, uh, say for, except for Iridium phones, right? Uh, 
but if anything is going to be get picked up by electronics in some self-driving vehicle, it's probably something that my phone is going to talk to. So make it an app, make the beacon a software thing. Don't make it something I need to strap to my bike and worry about whether or not it's charged up. Well, how about this? Every mm -hmm. bike comes with reflectors. How about oh, every bike no, no, comes no, no, with no. a beacon? No, not, not integrated with the bike. Oh, F that. Because, hmm. because you know, what about why, uh, why buying... Patrick? Why, why not? Because then, custom bikes. Okay, you're going to tell every custom manufacturer out there, oh, you need to integrate this into your bike. No, there are too many brands that aren't going to do that. And plus, you're putting the responsibility. So on you're the saying bike this should maker. be mandatory then? No, no, I'm not saying it should be manda mandatory. Okay, no. so then the bike makers that don't want to put it on there don't have to put it on there. But a lot of them seem to yeah. put reflectors on. Well, that's a... We know what happens uh, to those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a weird CPSC thing that is all about CYA and not really about true safety. Um, you know, so, I mean, that's... We don't want to look to uh, a fleet of lawyers going, how do we prevent getting sued? That's not a solution, you know? Uh, we want to look for a solution that actually increases safety, not prevents liability. Those are two different things. Yeah, I, I, I there are a couple of things that I want to say about your observation, Patrick. I uh, first of all, I think that having this be an opt-in solution as opposed to a required solution is probably pretty important. For one thing, there's no way you can make people opt-in to be a pedestrian with a beacon, right? You can't say everyone has to carry something all the time that's going to prevent vehicles from hitting them. Yeah, the libertarians um, would freak so, out if you told them the moment they had walked <laughs> walk outside, they had to have a beacon. Right, and rightly so. Uh, I'm with the libertarians on that one. Yeah. That said, you know, of course, ha having it be something that were built into a phone, I like that idea. The current, you know, a current phone could not do that. Um, lagginess is just way too high, right? It, and, uh, you know, phones depend on you having an operating reliable cell phone network and there is some delay, right? And if a car is bearing down on you, that's too much. Uh, so it needs to be something that works locally. All that said, uh, my, my biggest, I guess, point of contention would be that I don't see this as something that should be coupled to the idea of self-driving cars right. in the same way that any modern car that you buy has, you know, will have lane drift. It will have something that does emergency braking. Everything for the last 20 years has had ABS, you know, which is a, a not thought of as a self-driving mechanism. It's a safety mechanism. And I would say if a car is bearing down at a high rate of speed on something that a person is driving and is distractedly not noticing that a, a, if a beacon says, hey, you're coming at me at 40 miles an hour and you're going to hit me in two seconds, and it, having a car that hard brakes at that point, I'm, I'm all for that. And, you know, responsibility and abdication thereof, be damned. Uh, I want something, you know, if, if it's going to be the car that saves me, uh, I'm all for that because people are already not being safe. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I it, it, This is, of course, a hypothetical conversation, right? There is technology that could probably make something like this happen. It should always be opt-in. But, boy, I would opt-in in a heartbeat. Well, I'd love to see a radar system in cars alert them to the presence of stuff. You know, if we're going to deal with, you know, actual warm bodies driving vehicles, why there isn't mm -hmm. an early warning system based on radar? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. Uh, oh, but there, there is. is. Yeah, my wife's brand yeah. new Lexus. Well, somebody walks in huh? front of it, it beeps at her every time. My son's, my son's mid-level, mid-level Nissan does. Yeah. So yeah, it's it, if a car is going to rear-end another car, it will do that. It's just that people are small enough that a radar system well, that's, is going to miss. I them. mean, that's my point: is that nobody considers it completely. Uh, foolproof for alerting uh, drivers to anything, you know, smaller than another car. Sometimes yes, sometimes sure. no. And it's like, no, they should have ironed that out ages ago. Well, maybe well, not ages ago, it's, but by now. 
Yeah. So we, we need to make sure we put an article that I read from a guy who really studies this because there is tech that uh, notices body heat, for example, right? Mm-hmm. There is tech that will notice something as the size of a person. It's expensive and it's hard to maintain and it has to be outside of the vehicle, right? So the question really comes to to what degree are we willing to change uh, our perception of convenience in vehicles in order to be safer for pedestrians and uh, and cyclists. Uh, and it's a question that is definitely ongoing, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that is an understatement. But I think that uh, we're going to go ahead and draw the line on that, at least for this first uh, this first conversation. I think it's something we should, you know, take up again sometime soon but right now we're going to take a quick break then patrick's got an interview and on to paceline picks socks and undies will go in one bag all my cycling clothing goes here in another bag um rain gear will you know and insulated stuff will go together and then my regular clothes everyday clothes will be in another bag so that i can look into my bag and find what what i need quickly so that's how I do it. Happy packing. Good luck. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for cyclists. They do this by qualifying endurance athletes through quizzes that demonstrate their knowledge of and adherence to a healthy lifestyle. Health IQ follows applicants all the way through the process from when they submit interests to starting applications, from going through underwriting to policy in force. The policy is underwritten by one of our top partners, an insurer. Health IQ's underwriting advantages include family history, reducing your chance of being penalized for adverse family health history if you are otherwise healthy, low resting heart rate. Most carriers will penalize people if their heart rate is too low. We help them recognize that this is a sign of your excellent health and fitness. The Health IQ Advantage is their unique mortality model on the health conscious, and they have lower rates for health conscious people, just like a good driver gets savings on auto insurance. And they have unique underwriting calculations that replace BMI with waist-to-hip ratio and more. To see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com forward slash paceline. And we're back. Hottie and I have taken our polls, and now Patrick's turn. Yeah, guys. So last week, uh, one of my RKP contributors, uh, the guy known as Robot, took off his helmet, so to speak. His name's John Lewis, and in the eight years RKP has existed, he's been quite arguably the single most important voice for the site other than mine. He writes the Friday group ride each week, as well as some other really terrific material. By day, he works for Seven Cycles in the greater Boston metropolis. Of his many duties at Seven, John oversees marketing. And last week, he came to me with a proposal. So let's listen. Well, hey, John. Uh, let's see. It's been, what, we've had the pace line for more than a year now, and we're just now getting you on? Yeah, Oops. yeah, yeah. You leave the, the leave the better guests for later. That That's natural. <laughs> I like that. Um, but yeah, it's it's fun to finally get you on the show. Now, uh, last week you came to me with an idea. And um, since it's your idea, maybe you're the better person to pitch just what this thing is. Sure. So, I mean, nakedly, it's, uh, it's an idea to sell some bikes because that's what I do for my day job here at Seven Cycles. Um, it's not a thing I, I ever really considered before crossing the streams between the day job, uh, here at seven and, uh, the work that I do and the friendship that I have, uh, at RKP. But, uh, you know, you were through town a few weeks ago, uh, after nabs and you know we spent a bunch of time talking and since then i'd been sort of thinking about you know it's my goal or or my my larger goals are to help move rkp forward and help move seven forward and am i just being i don't know obstinate 
uh, in not trying to cross those streams. You know, there's a certain there's a certain element of I re- it's important for I think both of us to have transparency with the readers around you know, what we're trying to do. RKP's goal is to get more people on bikes and excited about bikes. And Seven's goal is is very similar, uh, really. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't, I've never wanted to use RKP as a vehicle to sell Seven. And then in, in sort of coming up with this idea to support RKP's work with Seven's work, I had never really... I didn't see any benefit. I thought it would be more complicated than anything to bring the two together. But I think, uh, was it the, um, I was thinking about the, the, the mother's day flower drive that NPR does. And I think, you know, I've bought those flowers for my, for my mom, uh, before, and they're really nice flowers. And it feels like two causes that go together. And, and anyway, so that was sort of the, the, the inspiration for, for proposing it. And, and the basic idea is get a great bike and support RKP at the same time. And once I sort of decided I was willing to try to broach that in a transparent way for the RKP readers, I don't know, it just made a ton of sense. And then you and I talked about it and, and you know, something we're both excited about wherever it goes, right? Right. So break down how it works for the listeners who haven't read our posts yet. Yeah, so pretty pretty simple. A seven builds custom bikes. We build every shape, style, permutation. Uh, people who might be excited about that and interested in a bike can go through the post on RKP, place a deposit of $500. That $500 uh, goes directly into uh, RKP. And then we get in touch to set up a design interview for an awesome bike. It's it's pretty much that simple. And then the bike would be delivered through the local 7 affiliate, unless that person is local to you, in which case they would get a double benefit of uh, working with you on a custom bike. You know, that's something I would really uh, welcome, relish. Uh, it, mm. it would be a lot of fun. You know, it'd be a fun way to connect uh, with a listener yeah, I've been a believer in Seven for, at this point, more than 20 years. The thing that appealed to me was that it's an opportunity to be less agnostic about brand. Um, there are an awful lot of great bikes out there. But, you know, one of the things that I have decided that I want to do is step up for work that I really believe in, work that I believe is superior uh, to help delineate that from many other options out there. And I see this as being a real chance to do that. But it's a it's a crazy program because at Root, it's an affiliate program. And, um, right. you know, the difference being that this is kind of an affiliate program on steroids. But, I mean, you know, I guess I guess the question becomes how else would you do it with a bike brand as opposed to, say, you know, uh, a nutrition company or you know, somebody selling bar tape. Um, this is a, right. a little bigger deal. <laughs> well, it is a little bigger deal. And, and, you know, I think, uh, because we don't sell direct to customers, it's a more integrated program, right? So part of what part of seven's ethos is to support the local bike shop, because we really believe that that's where cycling communities grow from. Um, so we're integrated in the cycling community through via the bike shop and we have tried historically to be, uh, involved with readership communities like RKPs. Again, seven, it's, it's weird because seven has worked with RKP more or less since the beginning in various ways without me really being involved Um, and I've always sort of recused myself from that stuff. So this is, this is interesting both because it's, it's more integrated with what RKP is doing and it's integrated in the local cycling communities. Um, it is a, a, a high price point item, but it's also, uh, a, a bike product that represents sort of the peak value, right. Of what you can get out of your cycling experience. I've had a couple of conversations with people already who are have, you know, so far they've all lamented that, oh, well, dang, I just bought something. 
but I'm, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I'm hopeful. We've got through the end of April, uh, so that mm-hmm. certainly gives us time to do some stuff. Well, John, this is really cool. I'm excited. You know, certainly we'll be in touch, and uh, I look forward to seeing how this turns out. Yeah, me too. And 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 for me, at the very least, you know, sort of saying this is who I am and what I do. It's nice, and it'll help readers put, you know, the work that I do at RKP in some in some deeper context. I think with this readership, they always enjoy seeing what's going on behind the curtain. Right. I think they'll welcome right. it. Cool, man. Thanks yeah. so much. Yeah, great to connect. I'll talk to you soon. Again, that was John Lewis of Seven Cycles. Guys, I don't mind adding that John has become a close friend, and my respect for him is immense. This is kind of a crazy program. I don't know of anything on the planet quite like it. I mean, Tesla doesn't have an affiliate program. Uh, Ferrari doesn't do this. The question I want to put to you guys is a little bit open-ended, but in short, what do you think of affiliate programs? Fatty, I know you did some affiliate advertising in the past with uh, Fat Cyclist. Give me your thoughts. I, I actually never did affiliate advertising with Fat Cyclist. I sold a oh. bunch of stuff, right? I sold, you know, jerseys and books and so forth. Uh, did a lot of fundraising stuff, but I never tried affiliate. No, um, I, I think thought you did something it, with feed, the feed. Uh, no, they oh. were uh, <laughs> they were the uh, sponsor of my uh, Fatty Cast podcast. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, um, that. It, Anyway, I think that affiliate is interesting. I want to ask you a question because I, I imagine that there are some readers who would probably wonder the same thing. So you are sort of regarded as a trusted and independent bike journalist. Yeah. Is there going to be a, you know, and, and I understand your point about wanting to be less agnostic, brand agnostic, but I think uh, there might be concerns about can you – can you be an honest broker or reviewer of other brands when you are an affiliate when you have an affiliate sponsorship with seven? Uh, it's a fair question. I would like to think that at this point, my reputation as a reviewer is established well enough to show that, you know, uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to give anybody a fair shake when I review mm-hmm. their bike. I have also not been secretive about my admiration for what Seven does. So yeah. I, I don't think this is going to surprise anyone. Oh, I never really understood he 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 was into their stuff. It's like, eh, it's been pretty obvious for 21 years, you know. Sure. Uh, but, you know, um, at root, this is advertising. You know, they're not mm-hmm. they're not buying... Uh, a good review. We don't have any more reviews of Seven's Plant right now. Um, you know, the, I mean, yeah, when I did my review of the Earhart, that was a bike that I had a hand in helping them to design. If if any occasion was going to cause people to think that maybe uh, I was playing too much of favorites, that uh, that would certainly have been the occasion in my mind. But you know, I. Um, I like the work they do and I don't think I should try to pass that off as some neutral, uh, objective praise. Um, we, we trade in passion here. And so, you know, I just, I feel like I ought to be more straightforward about that. Yeah. Why well, pretend that you're neutral if you are in love with a brand? Right. And, and that was one thing that, you know, with Fat Cyclist, I was always able to do is, you know, I, I, I was never even a pretend journalist. It was always strictly, you know, hey, this is what I like and what I like doing. So um, there's there's a fine case to be made for saying, yeah, if, if I like something, why not? Uh, why not come out in favor of it? Be transparent about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it makes me oddly more comfortable is the funny thing. Um, hmm. Hadi, what about you? Well, let me talk to you as somebody who's been a journalist for 30 years and kind of what I've seen. Look, this is no surprise. If folks are looking for purity, if that's your pursuit, uh, good luck. There just is none. And Patrick, the people I've talked to about RKP and about, about bike reviews or equipment reviews in general, they know they know we get the stuff for free, uh, a lot of stuff we get to keep, 
bikes we have to give back, bigger things we have to give back. They know we're not out there buying stuff and then reviewing it. I, I know of one site that actually does this. And this goes on all over the place, not just in cycling. Look, Motor Trend reviews cars. They review Fords, but they take money from Ford, right? I mean, that's just the way it goes. There is no, that, that line is just not as straight and as wide as you Maybe it, maybe it once was. I work in an all-news station now, right? I have news anchors because of the needs, the financial needs of the station. I have news anchors, people who read the news, who also have to read commercials. I mean, that's just the way it is. To make things work, to make media work these days, there's so much competition for the same media dollar, you do have to get creative. So when I saw the 7 banner, first thing I did is click on it. I went, boom, what's that mountain bike? <laughs> that thing looks cool, because it is. It's a very cool-looking bike. And I said, I said, hooray. I said, it's, I almost said, Patrick, it's about time. It's, it's, a, it's a good way for, for RKP to align itself with a brand that, that your readership already knows that you care about and see some benefit on the back end, too. So that was my reaction. Cool. Cool. Now, there's one thing that I, I would like you guys to also weigh in about. I mean, the reality is, if nobody orders a bike, I will have just given away a pretty big chunk of mm -hmm. advertising for free. Mm -hmm. um, and the I'm not scared between now and April 30th, but after April 30th, that I'm, I wonder what that means in talking to advertisers after that point. Hmm. Um, I mean, I, I don't have a lot of wisdom on that point. I will say that uh, seeing that this, if I understand right, this is a, this is good from now through end of April, right? Yeah. Oh. And that would be um, that would be the challenge for me. You know, buying a bike for me is a process that requires a lot of saving, generally for months at a time. Um, saying you know till end of April, uh, it's rare that I uh, can make and execute a bike purchase decision in a month and a half. Right? It's something that takes a little longer than that. So, um, you know, th that said. There are probably people who have, uh, you know, have a bike purchase plan on map and seeing this, I'm betting that they're going to be like, hmm, maybe I can convert what I was going to do into doing something uh, with a boutique uh, super premium brand like, uh, like Seven and help out a site that I like a lot. So I, I hope that it works. Cool. All righty. Well, I think that's enough of that. Um, paceline picks paceline picks yes let's get to the picks and uh, I hinted at being a super nerd at the beginning of this uh, episode I think that I proved it out a few times before and it's not so much bike nerd nerdery although for sure I do like my electronics but I read uh, dcrainmaker.com all the time and they mo he uh, I should say he because it's it's Rainmaker uh, you know solo sole proprietor reviewing a lot of bike tech and he recently reviewed the skydio r1 autonomous sports drone hey, guys have either of you seen the review uh video for that no honey mm -mm. not you dc rainmaker pretty, uh, scares me he's so there's so much there i go oh it's gonna take me a year to read this so please give us the brief oh, yeah. version Oh, yeah. Well, he does video reviews for a lot of the stuff, but th this video review is pretty amazing. So this drone, which has 13 cameras mounted on it, followed and filmed him as he ran, road biked and mountain biked, including in some tricky terrain, like in a tree tunnel and in a forest of skinny trunked trees. And it, the whole time it is taking fantastic video of him without him worrying about it. It is not perfect. You know, this thing is too big to fit in your pocket. And it would, to be honest, barely fit in like a big camelback style pack. It only is good for 15 or 20 minutes or so of flying. And so it's not like you can really go out on a serious ride and have it along for the whole thing. And it is super expensive at 2500 bucks. In The short version for me, at least, is I couldn't or wouldn't afford one as it stands. But you can see where this tech is going. And in a few years... Watch, we will be carrying little drones. We can deploy, have film for a few minutes on a cool section of a ride, tuck it away and keep riding. And like, you know, this this drone, you can launch it from your hands and it will land 
real close to you, put it away. Drones are getting cool. And you don't have to be carrying something. And you don't have to control it. It can follow you while you ride. The video is pretty amazing. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to where this is going. That's my pick. Secondary pick, DCRainmaker.com. Uh, Rainmaker is a sports tech reviewing genius. I love his work as a guy who really goes in for sports geekery. He is, you know, he's my dream reviewer. So, you know. Definitely got a little bit of a man uh, a man nerd crush going on with uh, with Ray. So we'll make sure we link to his review and video in the show notes. Patrick, yeah, what do you got? Well, so as I mentioned at the opening of the show, that cortisone shot I got in my neck, uh, not so much the successful. Um, and like I said, I went back uh, to get a massage uh, yesterday, uh, returned to what I kind of consider my standby. And I'm making neuromuscular massage or trigger point massage my pick this week because I've talked to so many riders who have shoulder, neck, or back pain. And people seem just kind of flummoxed by what to do about it. They don't want to go under the knife. Uh, they don't, you know, like any of the other things that have been suggested. And so they just ride around with pain. I'm not really all that fond of pain. I, I separate that from suffering, but for me, the, uh, what I've gained through trigger point massage, uh, has really been revolutionary for me in the past. Uh, it helped me recover from a really debilitating nerve injury back circa 2000. Uh, I was off the bike for six weeks, couldn't even think of throwing a leg over a bike. It was so bad. Um, and once I was finished with that course of treatment, I didn't have any trouble at all for about four years. And slowly that same old problem has uh, reared its head and it now, you know, it affects my ability to ride, uh, going out for longer than two hours on a road bike ride. I've got to be pretty careful about how I manage myself, but Trigger point massage has made a big difference for me in the past. And for anyone who's never given it a try before and has shoulder, back, neck pain, anything like that associated with the spine, I would strongly encourage people to give it a try. All right. And yeah, it, it, I'm, of course, a big fan of anything that can uh, help you feel better. So I'm glad that you found something that is at least sort of kind of working for you. Hottie, you started it. Why don't you go ahead and close up this round? I'm going to keep the bag theme going with my pace line pick. <laughs> if you were to see my fat chance crisscross, you'd get an indication of what kind of riding I might be headed for. Between the head tube, seat tube, and just below the top tube is what I'm calling my gateway bag. It is a half frame bag by Revelate Designs. I bought the Tangle frame bag because Mrs. Hottie and I have talked about riding to San Diego staying the night and taking the train back. In this scenario, I will be the pack mule. So I bought the frame bag as a starting point to see what I could get into, or rather how much I could get into it, and how much more luggage I will need. Turns out, I'm going to need more and have started checking out seat bags. In the meantime, I've been really enjoying the Tangle frame bag. For commutes, it carries my full commuter coffee mug, phone, pump, and a banana. On weekend rides, my jersey pockets stay empty, and instead the gels and bars, phone and wallet, spare gloves and vest that eventually take, I take off all fit easily into this half bag. It's like magic. It uses a combination of Velcro and adjustable straps to secure itself to the frame. The slim design means it stays clear of my knees and baggies. There are port and starboard compa compartments with zippers that can be used while riding. Mine is black, but they do other colors and camo. I'm sure... My L.A. roadie friends are looking at me like I'm some kind of bike hippie, but I don't care. The Revelate Designs Tangle Bag is functional on many levels and an obvious pace line pick. And a very good pace line pick it is. Patrick, what's coming out on redkiteprayer.com? Oh, man. Well, we've got a couple of good reviews coming up. Uh, one bike review, some wheels, uh, the zip four five fours. I hope will I'll have my review probably beginning of next week. And that set of wheels is, oh, I don't want to give it away here. Uh, you should re read the <laughs> review. Um, they were impressive still are for that matter. All right. 
a sort of a minor cliffhanger there. I like it. We should always end with a cliffhanger. And with that, I think we're going to go ahead and call it a wrap for episode 109. One last reminder for our listeners, find us on Apple Podcasts, take a moment, give us a five-star rating, and if you're feeling super generous, write a review. And more importantly, tell your friends. For Hottie and Patrick, I'm Fatty. Thanks for listening to episode 109 of The Pace Line. I, I had it already and then just blanked. <laughs> yeah, we're all getting old. Yeah.